At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Hi there, you're listening to the Lazy Genius Podcast. I'm Kendra Adachi, and I'm here to help you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Today is the third bonus episode in our mini series on lazy geniusing a certain topic with a certain expert in that topic. A month or so ago, I talked to Courtney Cleveland from All the Best Days about how to travel and do staycations like a lazy genius. A couple of weeks ago, I lazy genius dinner, like all of dinner, you guys, we fixed dinner with Kate Strickler from Naptime Kitchen. And today we're going to lazy genius being a mom with Kristen Howerton, specifically the thought of being a mom of teenagers down the road. When I asked Kristen to have this conversation with me, I did not realize that her new book, Rage Against the Machine, had come out. It had like just come out. Then I read it. Uh, Since it's about learning to parent without perfection and you guys, it is truly so good, which you'll be able to tell from this interview how much I loved it. Kristen is such a great storyteller. So good. She's so funny, so vulnerable, and she's a lazy genius. There's even a chapter in her book that lists out the things that she's going to care about. Generally, I don't enjoy books on motherhood just because they feel too focused on enjoying every moment without talking about the difficulty of being a mom. But Kristen talks about it all and so well. So in this episode, she gives some great knowledge on how our parenting now of small kids, the choices that we make now, can translate later into parenting our kids as teenagers. And since she is a former marriage and family therapist, she really has such a good, like, educated perspective on what she's talking about. This might be one of my favorite conversations about parenting ever, not just in podcast world, but in life. Kristen is so great. You're going to love her. I can't wait for you to hear from her. So let's jump in. You guys are, so Kristen wrote a book that just came out like very recently called Rage Against the Minivan. It is fire. It is so good. I'm just, and the, I, it's not flattery. I would not butter your toes for no reason. Like it is so good. I feel like what I love about it, um, my book and my like sort of way, the Lacey Genius way is like a tool. It's a toolkit. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of story in it. It's a little bit more like, okay, so here's where we're going. And I feel like. Rage Against the Minivan is like, all right, guys, would you like a picture into what it means to live this way where you choose your priorities and you focus on those things and you forget about the things that you don't really care about? And you, it's like, would you like a beautiful picture of someone's like motherhood journey (laughs) through that lens? Here's Rage Against the Minivan. Like I had my hands in the air. It was just like, why is this so good? It was so, so good. So um, I wanted well, to ask you. It's wild how much overlap there is in our books. There's a lot of overlap. Kristen, I mean, it's, it's so cool. Gotta say in the same thing, you know, like. Like you have, well, I'll get to that because I ha- I wanted to ask you about like a whole chapter, but I'll get, we'll get to that. I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you first though, can you tell us one example of like how as a parent, because mm-hmm. most of my, a, a lot of my listeners are parents and a lot of them have kids that are like mid, mid to little. There are yeah. a lot of big kid parents, right? Yeah. And in my audience. Okay. So, um, but I'm curious, like, what is a good example of when, um, as a parent, you try to be a genius about the wrong thing 
Oh boy. Um, many times. <laughs> so many, many times. Well, there, there's a story I share in the book where I thought that I would, I thought that I was going to combine like quality time with my kids and me getting exercise. Right. And so I thought, oh, this is just like a, you know, buy one, get one free. Like I can get my exercise in and I can take the kids for a walk and I can take them to the beach. And I was like, we're going to do this. Like, I'm going to be this breezy mom who exercises with her kids. And, um, I tried it a few times, but there was one time in particular, the last time, um, (laughs) where I loaded us up. I had at the time, at the time I had two kids, I would go on to have four children in the course four years, which I don't know that I'd recommend. (laughs) But um, at the time I had two, packed them into the stroller, sunblocked them. I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to be the family that exercises together. And I drive us to this, to the, to the mouth of a river jetty bike path that lands at the beach. So we've got to walk a mile to get to the beach and they're in their strollers. And Actually, one child's in a stroller. The other child is on his bike. And as we're walking down this bike path, he's three. And as three-year-olds do, he decides to ride his bike through poop. Now, I also want to point out that there are not animals on this bike path. but (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know. Questionable origins. Poop of questionable origin. And it is caked all over his tires And I'm like, I think we're going to have to go back to the car. And as three-year-olds do, you know, fully melts down. No, I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the beach. So he's riding his bike in front of me. I'm in a stroller. And poop is just kicking up from the back of his bike tires. (laughs) It's like a frogger game where I'm trying to avoid poop. And so anyway, it was just – and the whole situation was really bad. We got to the beach. The kids got in the water. He and my son, who's three, ends up getting sand and his butt cracked. So then he has to ride a mile back to the car, which is the only way back. And I'm like credit carding him on this bike path because he doesn't like, you know, the sandpaper butt feeling. And I was just like, you know, this is not this is not genius. Like me thinking that I'm going to exercise like, no, I will exercise when my husband comes home (laughs) and leave them leave them at home. <laughs> what a what a real story that is, man. Cuz you're oh. it's it's such a good it's such a good example because being with your kids is something that matters to you. Yeah. Um, moving, you know, taking care of yourself in whatever way that is, which for this it was like moving your body, being on the beach, yeah. like all the things. That also matters. But then sometimes we're like, "Oh, so rather than like setting aside time on purpose for me, as a mom, I always have to be doing 17 things at once. And yes. that makes me so amazing. And then you're playing Frogger with the poop bike. And it's not amazing well, anymore. Don't you, do, you, do you find this to be true? Most of the times that we try to be genius and find that it, you know, blows up in our face is when we're trying to multitask. Exactly. When we layer things that do matter, but we do them 
at the same time, then nothing gets to matter because we don't yes. get to spend. It's yeah, exactly. It's such a and it's chaos and it's more stressful than it needed to be. And and listen, I I still do this. I I do this every day. Like I am constantly tempted to try to figure out how to get two things done at once. Like I I don't know what is happening in my brain that that is a well enneagram three. <laughs> but that is a constant temptation for me. To just like, uh, wait, I can, I can wrap this into this. Right. And then it doesn't work. And then it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's just, a, if, if whoever's listening to this, you guys, the thing that you walk away from, like, just stop doing two things at one time. Like, I just know, give your attention right? to one thing, let it matter, yeah. care about it, and then say goodbye yeah. and move on to the next thing. And it's fine. It's really fine. I know. Good gracious. Well, um, the overlap of our books sort of like just blew my mind in the best way possible at th- when I got to the end. Um, you have a chapter called Opting In. Yeah. Where you basically list out everything. You're like, these are the things I'm going to care about, guys. Yeah. And you give like examples of them. And it was, it was so good. I laughed and cried. In the chapter, like in the <laughs> and it's like three pages. It's not even a very long chapter. And the the emotions that came out from reading it were so so good. But like things like um, family dinners, uh, developing trust, uh, being non judgmental. You and the thing that's so great, like you talk about family dinners. Well, here's what here's what matters to most people who are uh, parents. I would assume is that you do want to spend time with your kids. Yeah. And for you, family dinners is the place that you can do that the most consistently for your own mm-hmm. energy, for your family, based on what you're saying. So it's, I think sometimes we get, um, when we're naming what matters, when we're naming our opt-in list or our genius list or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, that we're like, oh, well, I want to spend time with my kids. That matters. Well, then you end up again on the bike path with yeah. frogger poop. And it's like, no, you need to get specific. Like what makes the most sense? Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I was just wondering, like. What was the process of sort of naming what mattered? Like, was it yeah. a, like a gradual realization? Was it just a flag in the sand of like, I've got too many things on my plate. I'm going to list these out and then start to, you know, what was what was the the journey of that? A little bit of it was just pushing back against messaging that I was hearing, which is very on brand for me and rage against, you know, it's like very <laughs> rage against, it's like don't come up with anything on my own, just be reactive to things I don't like. Um, but, you know, I I remember when my kids were young, I was getting all of these messages around be present with your kids. And I told the story in the book too, there was a woman at our church who was a very kind of prominent woman in our church and she spoke a lot. And she had this whole philosophy, like, you should never be on your computer when your kids are awake. And she preached this constantly. Um, And then there was another, there was like, I remember this post that went viral that was this sanctimonious mom writing about a woman she saw at a park who was on her phone while her daughter was doing cartwheels that she missed. And I remember just being like, "Who, who cares? Who cares? I can't watch every cartwheel. Do you know how many (laughs) cartwheels happen? I'll watch one, maybe three. I might film it and then I'm going to go back to what I'm doing. And so I I think for me, it was looking at looking at the time that I spend with my kids, recognizing I can't be present all of the time. I, I have other things to do. And mothers have had other things to do from the dawn of time. First, we were hunting and gathering, then we were churning butter, and today we are paying bills online. You know, but but mothers have 
things to do. We do. And so then I had to feel, I, I, I felt like I had to then define what does being present look like? Because I know for me, it couldn't be just being a butler, just standing there waiting for them to need me. I had to define what is being present look like because it matters. I, I totally want to be present for my kids, but recognizing I want to, I, I feel like we're all good if I'm present for like a cumulative hour a day <laughs> and then you need to have time to be bored or find other things to do. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You know? And so then I just, from there defining what are the times, what are the moments? Because not everything is a moment. So what are the moments where I can be present with my kids in meaningful ways? And that is such a, um, that is such a huge thing. I remember the first time I heard that of like, oh, you don't, you don't have to be present for every moment. Like if you miss moments, that doesn't make you a bad mom. Like you, you, you think you have a part in the book about where you compare like what it's like to have one kid um, or even two kids. But then when you get yeah. to three or four and it's like a list of like what, ha and it's just oh. so real and so fantastic. And I love it. Um, but yeah, there's just, there is so much pressure on capturing the moments. And I think one of the reasons that I am so excited to have you um, and to share your voice with my audience is because I have been such an admirer of how you approach your kids. And I've only been um, admiring you really when you've had teenagers, you know, mm -hmm. like that's when I came across you was when, cause your kids are teenagers. And, and I was like, wait a minute, this is how I, this is how I want to be as a mom with my teenagers. And so it's just been so lovely. And I want to, I want to read, is it weird to read to you from your own book? Can I do that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'd rather listen to your voice, read my book than my own voice. <laughs> a part of being a good enough mom is letting my kids be good enough kids. It's allowing them to make their own mistakes. It's letting them fail instead of micromanaging their lives. It's about allowing them to face natural consequences instead of covering them in bubble wrap. It's about not requiring them to be perfect in terms of grades or sports or achievements. I want my kids to feel the freedom to excel at any of their passions, but I also want them to feel the freedom to be average. I'm trying to emphasize being overdoing. In a culture where we are constantly hearing you were made for more, I want to teach them you are enough. One of the most impactful things that I had ever put on um, Instagram is I put a thing that says you don't have to have big dreams. Yeah. And there were so many people yeah. who were like, Thank you for saying that because yeah. we, there's nothing wrong with having big dreams. There's no. nothing wrong with, with, um, doing elf on the shelf. There's nothing wrong with doing oh. any of the things that anybody chooses. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love what you're sharing so much is because we are allowing our kids to be, if they, if they're prodigy, pro, prodig, prodigies, this is the hardest word to say. It's the worst word. I'm it so is. glad. I don't think I wrote Prodig it in my book. Prodigy. So it's, prodigy. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, but we, it's okay if they're average, it's okay for us to miss cartwheels. It's okay for us to take video of the cartwheels. It's, you know, there's, there's just not enough room for everybody to care about what they want to care about. And yeah. you say that, um, you say this in the book too, you said it cannot be overemphasized in this culture of mommy wars. The things that are important to me may not be the things that are important to you. Yeah, which is so, so good. So how does that particular mindset like this is important to me? This is not important to this other mom. I know how that can impact your relationship with other moms or your perception yeah. of other moms. How does that affect how you parent or how you see yourself as a mom, like your relationship with your kids or your relationship with yourself as a mom? I think I really wanted to make clear in the book that 
I was not judging moms who made other choices. But for me, I felt that pushing in too far for my family in intensity in any activity felt out of balance for mental health. So like, for example, I have two boys that are into sports and I got a lot of pressure um, from other moms who are sports moms. You know, you've got to get them on a club team. You got to get them on a travel team. You got to, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got, you've got to, you know, at, at age nine, 10 sort of pay in both time and money to have this insurance policy to make sure that your kid can compete at the high school level and then maybe even go on to get a scholarship. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to give up my weekends and my evenings for a sport that they may (laughs) or may not keep playing. Now, mind you, I'm not a huge sports person. And there may be another mom who says, I I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's a fit for our family. And that's great. Yeah. You know, and that's totally fine for them. But for me, I was like, I don't I don't want to do this. I feel like it it makes us crazy. And the irony is one of them played basketball in eighth grade and then quit. He's not even playing it in high school now. Yeah. It's like, what if I had spent all that time and money and all of our weekends, you know, and missed all of the family birthday parties and, you know, eaten dinners on the sidelines of a game for for what? To what yeah. end? Yeah. Um, but if, if families choose to do that, that's okay. Um, but where I have opted in and, you know, because I'm a muse, a musical person, I came from a musical family is that all my kids have to take music lessons. Like I'm totally that mom. They don't have to be great. They don't have to be, can I say it? Prodigies. Right. Well done. Good job. (laughs) Um, and in fact, none of them are super great, but they all, marginally know how to play guitar and marginally know how to play the drums and they can switch instruments, but they have to be taking something because that's important to me. So I just think it's, but everything can't be important, you know, right. We have to pick and choose. And, um, and that's where we have to really be careful that we're not being judgmental of other moms who make different choices. At Amica insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Right. Because we think that the choices that we make are right or wrong. Yes. Uh-huh. For ourselves and then sometimes we will continue that thread to the other people that we encounter of like well if they right. chose this it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop putting morality on those kinds of choices. Obviously there are choices yeah. that you make that are moral ones, but for the sake yeah. of like sports, you know, like going to sports camp or going to doing camp at all or mm-hmm. getting a dog or not having a right. whatever it is, like it doesn't matter. Those are not moral choices. Like those yeah. are not those don't determine your value as a parent and your kids value as kids or as humans. And so I think once we take the morality off of our own choices, it helps us to take it off of other people's. And then we yeah. can just all like make our choices. Like it's totally. not, there's not a right, there's not one right way to do this. Here's what I would love to ask is 
what a great way to start a question. Here's what I would love to ask. <laughs> I could just ask it. Um, it is, I'm thinking about asking it. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to. <laughs> um, but no, like the, I think the thing that moms of young kids are really good at doing uh-huh. is looking ahead at when things will be different. Yeah. Okay. We're really good at doing that. And that's sort of a muscle that we develop. That's mm-hmm. a practice. We're good at that. I'm asked, but I don't know that that's always, that doesn't always put me in a headspace that makes me the kind of mom that's caring about the things that I want to care about. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it's like, this isn't, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to not be here with them right yeah. now. And so my, my question to you is like, if you could tell moms like me of, you know, younger kids, one practice one muscle to develop, one thought to remember that will serve them well when their kids become older, when their kids are teenagers, sort of like that anchoring mantra that we can Mm. start practicing now as moms of young kids. What would that be? I mean, I think one thing that has served me well is to constantly be considering what are the gifts of this age? You know, when my kids were, were small and Man, the toddler years, I am I did not enjoy the toddler years. <laughs> you know, I found it to be chaotic and crazy, but they're so cuddly then and they're mm-hmm. so inquisitive and they're so cute. And, you know, so I would just try to like enjoy those moments and, and remind myself like, well, this is fun at this stage. And then, you know, right now I have middle schoolers and there's a lot of drama and a lot of hormones and, you know, a, a, a lot of identity stuff happening, but they're also really fun to talk to. And they're in this middle stage where they kind of still like me, you know, but they're coming into their own. And so I just think trying to, to keep top of mind what the gifts are of each stage and what what do you enjoy in each stage with your kids and then lean into that. Like right now, my kids are great conversationalists, you know, and that was not true for many, many years. You know, they'll sit and talk about interesting things for a long time. And so I'm leaning into that, you know, if that and that's the point where I'll I'll put everything down. Right. So if if they're all sitting on the couch and it's never planned, you know, it's always organic. And then they start talking about something. Then I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, everything I had planned for now is, is pushed to the side. I'm going to sit and have an interesting conversation with my middle schoolers because that's a gift of this period. Mm. Or, or, but when, you know, when they were younger, it was like, well, they'll still snuggle me. (laughs) So I'll put everything aside while they'll still snuggle me because they won't always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And just trying to find what those gifts are of each age, because there's also some really hard things about each age. And it's okay. I think it's really okay to also acknowledge that and hold that two things to be true, right? Like I I never loved when I would be approached in the grocery store by an older mom who would say like, you know, you're going to miss these years or, you know, you got to relish this while you can. And I'm like, what part of this tantrum in the (laughs) middle of Target am I supposed to be relishing? (laughs) 
Like what part of my kid just dropped a glass product on the ground (laughs) and there's a cleanup being called in this aisle. Am I supposed to relish? Um, I think it's okay to also, you know, like simultaneously hold that there are gifts to each season and that also it kind of sucks. Sure. 100%. And that's why one of the reasons I'm doing these sort of bonus uh, episodes is because I want, I'm wanting to talk to people who are living using um, lazy genius principles and they might not have just named it that way, but that's oh, yeah. what's happening. Yes. And this is like the exact act of living in your season. You're yes. not saying like you need to embrace every season and see all the positives all the time and not no. acknowledge that's stupid. That's unrealistic, right. like all the things, but if you, well, and that's that toxic positivity, right? Right. Right. Like every season's so full of beauty. No, like no, it's not. It really sucks changing diapers. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> No elaboration needed. Yeah. Like it's the worst. Right. But, but what you're, but like you're saying, I love that thought of what does this particular age offer right now? Um, And not into them, to each other, to me, like as their mom, like I really love that because it's not diminishing or trying to erase the difficulty of whatever season you're in, like you're saying where that is toxic, but it is just choosing to see both things and yeah. holding them both at the same time mm-hmm. and not seeing that as anything but normal. Yep. Is there something that you observe that you sort of want to give permission to moms of young kids to be like, stop doing this. You don't have to do this anymore. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put my therapist hat on for one moment, which I rarely do. I'm so excited I, about that. I, I was a therapist for many, many years. And here's the thing that I see mothers do that I want to encourage that you step out of is um, this sort of child-led parenting where we feel like we can't have boundaries for our kids because we think it will stifle them or, um, you know, that it's it's going to ruin their self-esteem or I don't know what philosophy is behind it. But when I'm at the park and a mom is like, Let's not like the royal we to discipline. Let's not throw sand. Like, ma'am, your child is throwing sand. You're not. Children come out of the womb inherently selfish. We may not like to think that, but they do. You know, they're only concerned with their own needs. And then our job is for the next 18 years getting them to look outside themselves and consider themselves as a human being as a part of a larger society. And, you know, um, I just think a part of that is, you know, holding our kids accountable to like, oh, you know, when you did that, you hurt someone else's feelings and then letting them sit in in the conviction of that. Right. And I just feel a lot like like I'm watching a lot of parents um, bubble wrap their kids in affirmation, which is important. Affirmation is so important. But then forgetting the part of like, hey, you're hurting someone else or your behavior is affecting another person in this way and and being able to just say that very directly. Because if you are, if you're putting in the time, if you're putting in the affirmation, if you're putting in the connection, if you're building that, then you can simultaneously say, hey, you know, at the park, I observed you being cruel to another child. Not like, well, let's not be me, you know, like, direct, like I observed you 
yeah. behaving in a way that wasn't showing compassion for someone else. And now I feel sad about that. And it bummed me out to watch that. I, I just feel like I see a lot of moms skirting around talking directly to their kids about their behavior in That's, an effort to yeah. preserve their self-esteem, which that is not how we build self-esteem by never talking to our children directly about their behavior. We build self-esteem by looking at who we are, strengths and weaknesses, and then accepting all of it at once, right? I mean, we do that even, even as adults too. I bet you were a really good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. That was really, really good. And so um, simple in thought, perhaps not an execution, right? It's hard to remember those things in the moment. And it's, it, you're right. And that, that also is a, is a muscle that we can develop. It's a, it's a practice that we can, we can have of catching ourselves, even just mentally noticing when we use the Royal we noticing when we're asking a kid, um, can you put your shoes away mm -hmm. when you you're like, no, what you're doing is telling them to put your, like, if they say no, uh, and you get upset with them, that's not fair. Like, just be direct. Like mm -hmm. that, you know, just put your shoes away, please. Like we're yeah. allowed to be in charge. Yeah. Um, we're allowed to set boundaries. Like that's, and they need boundaries. Kids need boundaries. It is confusing for children when we don't provide that scaffolding scaffolding for them. You know, yeah. they, they will thrive better when they know what's expected and what's allowed and not allowed. And I don't know, Kristen, and you, again, I don't have teenagers, but you tell me, I feel like that kind of relationship is a really hard one to have with your teenagers if you are bubble wrapping them as children, if you're not being yep. direct and communicating with them as kids and helping them take responsibility, seeing the responsibility yeah. that they need to take for things, because yeah. then they don't know how to communicate with you about what that is, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's also impossible if we don't also model it, if we do not model um personal responsibility, apologizing, um, vulnerability, being the broken people that we are, you know, sharing our foibles with our kids. I think when we model that level of vulnerability and self-correction, that self-correction is okay, yeah. that messing up and owning it is okay. If I can model that, then I think um, my kids can, can move forward in that same behavior yeah. if they've seen it. What I, what I write, what you write, what a lot of people who sort of have this idea of like, guys, let's focus on the, on the right things here for ourselves mm -hmm. or on the things that matter to us. Like, I love how books like ours are holding hands and kind of yeah. showing that this is not about one person saying some amazing sentence that everybody's going to follow. This is about a way of life that we're really just trying to draw attention to with different stories and um, different wordings and all of that. But this is a this is not about you. This is not about me. This is about just sort of like bringing all of us collectively into this space of, hey, we can talk about this hard stuff. We can hold dissonant things at the same time. We cannot have answers. We can screw up. We can have like, we need to speak that into the world more that those yes. things are not just allowed and not just normal, but are mm -hmm. like good and yeah. helpful and empowering and all of that. So I'm just like, I'm just so jazzed you wrote this book and it's in the world and all my sincerest congratulations to you for that. So. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. Um, tell everybody the best place that they can uh, find you. Yeah, you can find me online. I'm Kristen Howerton just about everywhere. And then I have 
um, kind of a parenting humor platform that is at Rage Against the Minivan on Facebook and Twitter as well, or Facebook and Instagram, I should say. Too many things to keep up with. It's I know. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. You guys, I'll definitely put like those links um, and a link to the book in the show notes and you can check out. And I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks. You guys, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Kristen. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. We've so much to learn from her. Um, you can find links to her book, Rage Against the Minivan, in the show notes and also links on how to follow her on social media and stuff. You can also find a link there to my book, The Lazy Genius Way. Embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. It's a book that highlights 13 principles you can employ in any situation, in any combination, to lazy genius, anything. It comes out August 11th, but if you pre-order the book before then, as a thank you, you get the entire Lazy Genius digital library for free. That is four digital resources on decluttering, meal planning, planning and surviving your holidays, and cleaning your house. Once you order the book from whatever online retailer or independent bookstore you choose, just go to thelazygeniuscollective.com slash book and put in your order information. Once you do that, you'll get an email with the entire digital library, which normally altogether costs over $120, but is totally free as a thank you for pre-ordering the book. I appreciate all of you who have done that already. It means so much. And I can't wait for you guys to actually read The Lazy Genius Way. I'm so excited. Okay, that's it for today. Until next time, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. I'm Kendra and I'll see you next week. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.